This is Body Talk, where we explore your inner universe. Hi, everybody. David Lasondak here. Welcome back to Body Talk. It is so great to be back with you again after a really nice summer vacation. I got some much needed R&R, and I hope you did too. Before we start this week's show, I want to send a shout out to Christopher, who became a patron of the show at patreon.com slash bodytalkradio. Thank you so much, Christopher. And I also want to encourage all of you to leave a rating or a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get this podcast from. And with that being said, let's get right to this week's show. Our special guest this week is Rebecca Pratt, and we're going to be talking all about hyaluronin, otherwise known as hyaluronic acid, and sometimes pronounced as hyaluron. It's all the same stuff, but it's really important stuff for you in your body. And you're going to find out all about it on today's episode of Body Talk. Hi, welcome to Body Talk. Today, I'm really excited to have is my guest, Professor Rebecca Pratt from the Oakland University William Beaumont School of Medicine and the Department of Foundational Medical Studies. She also is on the board of the Fascia Research Society. She's very involved in the planning of their big conference in 2022. And she has just published a dynamite paper in the International Journal of Molecular Sciences on hyaluronin in the fascial frontier. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Mm, thanks so much, David. So one of the first things that jumped out at me on this paper, and there'll be a link in the show notes to the paper, it's a free open source paper and I recommend you all check it out, is uh, you talk about both hyaluronin and hyaluronic acid. And I'm still a little confused. I thought that it was basically two names for the same thing. Is that accurate? Yeah, I would go with that. Yes, um, it's sort of taken um, some changes over the years. It, it is synonymous with hyaluronic acid, hyaluronic. So yep, mm -hmm. both are the same. And I learned that when I started doing my review. Okay, because that's that that's how I've been teaching it for years. And I just want to say, oh, did I get that wrong? Because I want to fix it if I did, if I did. So um, the question before we even dive into this, so the, the hyaluronin or the hyaluronic acid is essentially like the WD-40 of the body. If you needed to move and groove and slide and glide, it's going to be the thing that helps you do that. Um, do you want to explain a little bit more about how that works? I love that analogy. That is great. Um, yes, you want to think about taking any surface in your body that is going to be close to another surface, whether it's a muscle next to another muscle, whether it's your liver next to your stomach, and you want to make a frictionless um, relationship between the two. And so you insert this serous membrane, which has um, extracellular matrix components to it, of which hyaluronin is one of, um, probably the most robust of all of them. And so that helps create this slippery, slidey surface uh, between two things. Because the last thing you want while you're doing jumping jacks is to have your stomach stick to your liver. So that just sounds terrible. Thank goodness for serous membranes and hyaluronin within those membranes to create that slippery WD-40 type surface. Absolutely. So along with having uncomfortable sensations 
uh, when doing jumping jacks, uh, this hyaluronin is actually, uh, it's doing a lot more on a cellular level than mm -hmm. just keeping things sliding and may have a lot to do with certain pathological conditions like Absolutely. cancer. Is that right? Yes, um, I. there are lots of um, papers out there that discuss sort of manipulating the weight of hyaluronin and hyaluronin is a ginormous um, molecule. And when- So is it like start, Jupiter? Like if a typical molecule is Earth size, right, is like Jupiter? Okay. Size comparison, right. this is, this yeah. is definitely the Jupiter of, of um, of glycoaminoglycans and okay. and so um, this large large um, polymer can uh, have its molecular weight shifted and when you shift this this molecular weight um, you can go from maintaining normal homeostasis you can suppress cell proliferation suppress cell migration things that are involved in cancers you brought up, angiogenesis, the making of blood vessels to feed your cancer, uh, inflammation, the body's reaction to things it doesn't necessarily get along with. And um, low molecular weight, again, is, is where we get into that cancer world. So okay. if you have a lower molecular weight, hyaluronin, um, you might be able to increase... Um, tumor cells being able to bind to certain receptors and sort of recruit other cells to the dark side. So it's interesting that in a healthy world, just like anything in our body with cancer, when it's regulated, when it's at the appropriate um, linkage with another protein, like a ligand is what we call a ligand protein reaction. If it's uh, synthesized appropriately, folded appropriately, life is good on the block. But when folding starts to have um, complications, when the um, IKEA directions are not read appropriately, you get these very interesting um, polymers and those can behave very um, inappropriately for the body. So what you're saying is fat hyaluronin is happy hyaluronin. <laughs> happy hyaluronin, yep, and that's what okay. we want. Okay, that's that's awesome. So what happens when that, you talk about changing the molecular weight, how does that mm -hmm. molecular weight change from being um, large to small? What are the sorts of things that can affect it? Well, in in one sense, um, the it's basic, um, these basic uh, snippets, you can have a balance in your body that shifts. And so hyaluronic acid or hyaluronin is constantly being made. It's being remodeled with these cool little scissor-like snipping enzymes that are, are called hyaluronidases. And they come and they snip and they can fragment a very large uh, molecule to a much smaller one. And those can be stickier. They're like, so they're like pruning shears. Yeah, okay. exactly. The body's got them all over the place. Uh, there's right. always a, a, for every plus, there's a minus. The body's constantly rebalancing and remodeling. So same with hyaluronin. It can, it can be chopped up. It can bind to other um, proteins that are on a cell membrane. It can be remodeled and twisted and tied. So I think what we see is we see the fact that these fragments, um, as well as the highly polymerized uh, and a hyaluronin 
can be involved with many interactions um, in, in, in receptors. So it's, it's basically like changing house keys, you know, like if for what key normally fit into the lock, you now have changed that key by changing the molecular weight. It's not gonna work in the original lock, but now other things might be turned on because that key fits into a slot that normally was not regulated by hyaluronin and now can be because of these fragments of the polymer. So what are some of the things that would cause the hyaluronidase, which I thought was an enzyme? Is it an enzyme? Yeah, absolutely. That's okay. got so that it's... cool end to it. If you, if you see anything in your reading mm -hmm. is the A-S-E, the A's, that always means it's usually a, a snipper. Okay, so yeah, so it's an enzyme and it's a snipper. It's 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 a multi-purpose it's a multi-purpose molecular tool, shall we say? Um, so if uh, how might that be manipulated um, in both uh, a way that promotes health or in a way that maybe is less healthy? I don't know is an okay answer. <laughs> yeah, um, I. I don't want to oversimplify is what I'm worried about sure, I'm shooting sure. through things in my head right now. Yeah, you heard, you heard the sign, you heard that, 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 that sign that you heard was the scientist going, mm. um, mm -hmm. how to go about that. Yeah. So I guess, so for example, um, my, my understanding ahead. is that one of the things that causes, um, hyaluronin production in the sliding layers between the muscle mm -hmm. is when the cell that produces it, the fascia site, uh, is stimulated by a shearing or some might call it a cross fiber or friction motion. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, that can stimulate a change in production. Uh, does that also stimulate a change in molecular weight? That I do not know. Okay. I would hope that um, that movement, which is primary goal for the fascia site is to push out an amount of hyaluronin that, main that um, maintains that frictionless surface, I guess is for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. But as far as knowing exactly what that molecular weight is right now, I. I don't think we know, at least I don't. Yeah, um, the body probably does. Yeah. I would argue that we're still, we're still figuring that out. Well, so a, a larger molecular weight hyaluronin is desirable, a lesser molecular weight hyaluronin is problematic. So being skinnier is not always better. That's the takeaway here, kids. Um, what would cause that molecular weight to, to get smaller? And does that lead us to densification? So the, the, the quick answer um, on the street would be yes. And so what you see in an unhappy environment where connective tissue is reacting to, um, which is a very dynamic tissue, reacting to uh, changes in your shear stress, um, looking at um, perhaps 
um, immobility, because we know that movement stimulates hyaluronin um, production and turnover, whereas immobility um, can increase this concentration. So not really talking about um, molecular weight here, but more of a concentration. If you, if you jam a bunch of hyaluronin thinking this is a good thing without doing an effective recycling, so snipping it and, and, and eating it up, because normally once you snip into a low molecular weight, that tells the body it's time to recycle it. So now you're getting an increase in viscosity and you're reducing the lubrication and you're reducing the gliding of layers of connective tissue and muscle. And this means you're getting friction and friction is inflammation. And now we have an issue. And that's where densification, um, that term from, from um, Antonio Stecco uh, sort of hits home because it, again, it's you're, you're messing a cycle up. And that's really when the body struggles. The body enjoys homeostasis. The body is always trying to go back to its place of normalcy. And I think that's why body workers are important is because they are guiding the body back to, they're not fixing it, they're guiding it back. The body has properties to fix itself, but sometimes it just needs to recalculate like your GPS does. And so body workers sort of recalculate the body so that it can get back into that homeostatic um, circle again. So the degradation is important just as much as the maintaining of a constant flow of HA. So when any of this gets shifted, um, you can see what happens. And a lot of that is based on immobility. How does, how does hydration play into that? So the thought is that um, with, with the glycoaminoglycans and these proteoglycans, which stick to hyaluron, and these guys are awesome sponges that absorb water. And so if you think about your basic Are we talking comb. about aggregates here? Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. aggregates. If you if you think about your basic hair comb that you'd have, you know, in, in your in your bathroom and you think about the long handle that you hold on to, that's sort of what the hyaluronin is. And then all the little comb pieces would be other types of proteins that we call uh, glycoaminoglycans, uh, known to friends and family as GAGs, G-A-G-S, and proteoglycans. And yes, this makes an, an aggregate. And the great thing about water is that it repels itself. So what you can do is you can take these comb teeth and you can put a bunch of water on it and they are negatively charged. So they repel each other and they sort of poof out um, and they make an amazing big ball of water. And this keeps one hyaluronin away from his neighboring hyaluronin because now he's got to carry this ginormous amount of water molecule on him. And that helps because what that means is that means the next hyaluronin that this little hyaluronin could get stuck to is much farther away. And again, we're talking as if, you know, we're in a football field right now, but okay, much sure. farther away. So it won't get sticky it doesn't get stuck to itself because it loves to tangle with itself. And that's the problem when you get a lot of hyaluronin without a lot of water is they get sticky with each other. And that's the mm -hmm. last thing you want. You want these big balloons 
of water molecules getting stuck to your hyaluronin so that you can have a nice hydrated system that keeps them from getting stuck entangled. And then the enzymes come in and then they start snipping and they make lower molecular weight. And next thing you know, it's pitchforks and fire and everything's going crazy. Yeah, but um, this kind of this kind of cellular hydration, it is it as simple as just drinking water when you're thirsty, or is it a little more complicated than that? Oh, I'm sure it is far more complicated than that. Um, what we like to think though is because we're so much water, we as as humans, you know, are, are basically water, um, and it's all stored in that interstitium in our uh, connective tissue continuum that um, by hydrating, we are technically hydrating that interstitium and in, in helping that hyaluronin maintain a much um, healthier space by holding water molecules in its protein. Yeah, and you know, one of the, one of the pieces of advice that I give my patients is, drink your water before you come see me mm -hmm. because if you come in in a less than hydrated state or your yoga class or whatever it is you're doing you need to come in in a hydrated state and it's okay if you have to get up and take a bathroom break in the middle of things that's fine but you're not going to get the the benefit of, of guiding back to homeostasis if you're not coming in hydrated in the first place so that's pretty sound by your lights i would agree excellent what about hyaluronic acid supplements? I get asked that a lot. Hmm. I haven't thought about that. Well, last time I talked to Antonio Stecco, he was like, not so much, but I'm curious what your take is. I haven't really looked into that, to be honest. Okay. Okay. She's going on the record as not is no comment okay. <laughs> and that's fine that's fair that's fair you can't speak to something that you haven't looked into so again more movement more hydration mm -hmm. um the there was a study that was done and i'll put a link to this in the show notes too i don't know if you're familiar with it but uh and antonio used a t1 row imaging oh yeah have you seen that one he gave it a wonderful talk. I, I heard that. Yes, I have heard about his research and his um, imaging. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where he basically was able, for those of you not familiar with it, he took one person with ostensibly tennis elbow uh, and was able to image the densification of the hyaluronin because of the inflammation and was able to, because it was, uh, you know, tennis elbow is a continuum you've, you've got it on both sides of the elbow joint so he was able to do a series of treatments on one side only so that the opposite side would function as the control and then image before and after treatments and see what happens in terms of the change in the hyaluronin density and it it was a positive result. Now we need some replication studies. Right. So if anybody out there is listening right now and you're curious and you have the wherewithal to do that, click on that link and uh, let, let's get some more robust studies going because this was one of the more exciting pieces of research that I've seen come out in the last few years. Yeah, it was breakthrough. I mean, we, to be able to image something that we have all 
you know, drawn on a piece of paper and, and figured this was has to be the way it works, you know, and this is this makes sense scientifically, but to actually catch that in imaging. And it was just great to hear uh, Antonio describe it because you could see the hear the excitement in his voice when, when he was going through the research. So what else should listeners know about hyaluronin and keeping their hyaluronin healthy? And healthy? I think that the big word is dynamic um, and there's nothing really static in the body. And, and for me, when I was writing the paper, I was surprised at just how dynamic each individual piece of the puzzle is, which helps create this very dynamic fascial system in our body and recognizing that there's these interactions between cells and their hyaluronic rich uh, microenvironments that are constantly changing and adapting. Uh, it was just like, well, of course, you know, that makes sense. If, if I see connective tissue and fascia is highly dynamic, it's moving parts also are probably highly dynamic. And I think that was my big sort of take home was, you know, just reading about the changes in the size of hyaluronic acid and how it's synthesized and how it can be reduced and changing carboxyl groups and, and all this different thing that can... What's, that what's can, a carboxyl group? Um, that's sort of when you just add a little bit more luggage onto a molecule. So you can um, attach a carboxyl group and, and carbon to the sort of puzzle that already is hyaluronin. And by doing that, you can uh, you can change the extracellular pH. So okay. the acidity or the or the how basic that is. Mm -hmm. And um, that sort of changes um, the dynamics again and the viscosity. So that's why it's so tough to make a, a general comment on, you know, if I take hyaluronin supplements, is this a good thing or a bad thing? It's it's so yeah. tough when how does it know where to go? Being how does it know where to go? You know, already. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, ah, there's science for you. I mean, it's just um, it's a few uh, research examples that talk about changing the viscosity of your fascia and that of course changes the biomechanical properties. And then that now is changing the acidity of your compartment where your pH is. And now we're talking about a pH change where muscles involved. And then we're talking about muscle pain. It's like, how can you say it's uh, one thing or the other thing? It's like, it's all interconnected. Uh, it's, so, right, yeah. and, and if you change one component, yeah. it, it's going to cascade in some fashion through the system. Um, which which brings something else up I want to be sure our listeners know about. Uh, there is a program coming on by the NIH later mm -hmm. in the fall, uh, which is going to be looking at how do we develop methodologies for studying mm -hmm. whole body system yeah. changing thingies. Now, are you involved with that? I'm really excited about this. I am very excited about it. Uh, I, I can't wait because my entire life is siloed. Um, the, the, the human mind enjoys categories. The human mind organizes it that way. The human mind is siloed. And yet we talk about being able to bring up memories or to you know bring up uh, a 
recall what's going to go on tomorrow. So obviously there's interconnections. We can't be completely siloed, but all the research out there is so important. And yet it's just, they're staring at one piece of the puzzle. And so I love the fact that uh, we are going to hear from a panel of people that desire that whole body approach to research, because that's going to be the way we figure it out. As much as I loved reading about all these individual um, researchers taking a look at it, tweaking various, um, like I said, carboxyl groups and learning what happens and and learning what happens at a particular viscosity and learning what happens at a particular uh, acidity. It's, it's a person that walks into the office, you know, it's me that comes in as a full body, all connected and man, that's the challenge. And it's a big one. Yeah, I know when I get back to the office tomorrow, first person walks in, I'm going to be like, wow, look at those carboxyl groups. That's impressive. Look at me. Oh, thank you. Uh, No, it's we need, I love looking at the puzzle pieces too, but we need to consistently always zoom out and look at the picture that we're trying to create from these puzzle pieces and see which fit and what don't fit and why they don't fit. So that's another link we're going to have in the show notes today. Uh, for this NIH uh, conference. It's on a Wednesday and Thursday. I don't have the dates in front of me, but if you sign up for it, if you sign up for it, you'll have a 30-day access to viewing the program. There is no charge for this because this is your tax dollars at work if you're listening here in the United States, but 52% of my listeners are not in the United States, but sign up anyway. I don't think there's any barrier to entry like that, and you'll find that in the show notes as well. Rebecca, thanks so much for being on the show today. Any final words before we sign off? Um, I, I really appreciate this. It, like I said, this was a, a very interesting approach to fascia because I had to dig s- super deep. I mean, the most, although we talk about it being a big molecule, but all the way down to a molecule within an uh, extracellular matrix that is having a very um, unique yet dynamic relationship with the collagen, with the glycaminoglycans, with the elastic tissue, with the proteoglycans, all these guys hanging out and reading each other appropriately to maintain uh, homeostasis and all of that then being translated to muscle coverings and coverings over our organs and all this uh, serous membrane. And then I had to keep stepping back and stepping back and getting bigger and talking about fascia and then the fascial network. And next thing you know, I had gone straight from little tiny molecule to the fascial network and my head was hurting. Um, So my takeaway (laughs) message is to continue to read. Um, Mm -hmm. Even when your head hurts sometimes and you're stepping outside of your comfort zone, recognize that the more you read, the, the, the better you'll have an understanding about the, the human myofascial world. It's just, this was a new approach for me. Uh, you know, this was something outside of my comfort zone and things that make you twitch and make you think and sort of turn yourself upside down and make your head hurt are all worth it. Um, and I learned so much from writing this journal article. Um, so, and again, I appreciate David, you bringing up research and things that I now need to go deeper into because that's great. This will give me just another bit of insight. 
I just, I love your incisive intelligence and your passion for the subject and the way you talk about it. You made it sound like this amazing molecular party going on, <laughs> you know, but it's when the hyaluronin shows up, that's when we start dancing, yes, you know what I'm saying? Yes, so absolutely. thanks for being here today. I know yep. we'll have you on again very soon. Thank you. Take Dave. care. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to another episode of Body Talk. Questions, suggestions, want to reach out? Send me an email at bodytalkdavid at gmail.com or right there on the anchor.fm app that you listen to this podcast on. There's a button there where you can just record me a voicemail right on your phone. comes right to me. Really appreciate the feedback. means a lot to me. Remember, leave ratings and reviews wherever fine podcasts are found. And you can also become a sponsor of the program by going to patreon.com backslash body talk radio our music as always is by david and the disasters and until next week take care of yourself because you're the only you you have we'll see you next week here on body talk